Right, this week is Pasha's Devarim. We begin the book of Deuteronomy, Mishnah Torah. The title is being repeated a second time. And um, the model of its Devarim, of the Sefer Devarim, is very different than the first four Svarim. In the first four books of the Chumash, the story is being narrated by an unidentified third party. In the Chumash, God is one of the principles. And Moshe is one of the principles. God is speaking to Moses and Moses is talking to God. But who is saying that God is talking to Moses and Moses is talking to God? It, we don't know. In Dvarim, Moshe Rabbeinu becomes the first person. Moshe Rabbeinu says, and I said to, Moshe, to Hashem and Hashem said to me and so forth. This is called Mishnah Torah. Most Mepharshim learn, it's based on the Gemara, that Moshe Mepiyatzmei Amre, that the book of Deuteronomy is given in the first four books, that Moshe said it on his own initiative. The first four books were dictated to Moshe Rabbeinu by Hashem. The book of Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu wrote on his own. And of course, the Shechina was speaking through his throat. Or as the Russian is, that Moshe had Ruach HaKadosh, divine inspiration when he wrote the book of Deuteronomy. So most people assume that there's a significant difference in the form of the revelation, or the level of the revelation, between the first books and the, the first four books and the fifth book, the first four books God pushed dictated. He said, write these words. Say for Devarim, Meshach Rabbeinu wrote it. The Ramban is a noticeable dissenting voice. So I copied from the beginning of the Ramban's introduction, Nachmanides, to Toyed. This is from Bereshis. This is not from Devarim. This is the beginning of the Chumash, where the Ramban tells us his opinion about the Toyed in general and about the book of Deuteronomy in particular. Okay? He says like this, I'm going to begin to read from the very beginning, but we're not going to read this entire page, because this really is an introduction to the class that's removed from the discussion. We're not going to be talking about Mishnah Torah. We're going to be talking about the first words of the Pasha, Eila Dvarim Hashadim But I just felt that it would be interesting to begin with this Ramban, particularly since it's connected very strongly to this first Pasha. Okay? Sefer Bereshis. Maishe Rabbeinu Kosova Sefer Azeh wrote the book of Genesis with the rest of the Torah. From the mouth of God. Hashem spoke and Moshe wrote. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu simply was recording a dictation. What was dictated? Most would say the first four Sfarim that Rabban says, no, 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 all five Sfarim. The Deuteronomy also, like the first four books, was dictated directly from Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay? Now, scoot down to the third paragraph. Valkopanam. The Ramban asks a really, really obvious question. And that is, the, the book of Genesis begins, in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. Now, shouldn't it say, Moshe Rabbeinu says, God told me to write, in the beginning God says, in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. I mean, it, the book starts like in the middle of a story. There's no identified personality who's communicating to you. Nothing would be appropriate the beginning of the book of Genesis should begin God says to Moshe Rabbeinu all of these words that he should record them and what should he record in the beginning God created heaven and the earth says Ramban no the Torah was designed to be written obscure the Torah was designed to be written in a model where the source of the Torah is not identified when Moshe wrote the Torah he did not write it as though he's speaking on his own behalf 
Kinevim, like various prophets, you say, like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Methuselah. I'm sorry, Methuselah was a mistake. I just couldn't pass that up. Um, they said, God said to me, and I said, and I went, and so forth. Skip a little bit. Avol. Avol, sixth line. Avol Meisharabenu, as opposed to Meisharabenu, that Kosov told us, Kaladeus Edishen, he wrote the entire genealogy from the beginning, the whole history of time. V'yichos atzmei, including his own personal genealogy. V'teldesav, and his offspring, or Mikarav, what occurred to him in his lifetime. Kishlishi Amadab, as a third party that remains unidentified. Which is why it's written, V'yedaber alakim el Moshe, God speaks to Moshe, and so forth. As though some unidentified personality is speaking on behalf, as observing the exchanges and recording them. In Hasidus, there's a very deep insight into this business of Shlisha Medaber. I once gave a class on this to this group, and believe that one day we'll have a class again on it. But according to Hasidus, the narrator of the Torah is Hashem Himself. That's higher than a name. Medaber Hashem or Moshe Leim means how Godliness is manifest in a name is communicating with Moshe. The one who was saying that God said to Moses is talking the nameless God. It's higher than a name. That's how Hasidus explains this um, Ramban. Since this is the fact that the Torah is written in an obscure, from an obscure source, his name is not mentioned until his birth. And it's recorded as though some other personality is recording his lifetime. But the Ramban's opinion is that Hashem dictated the Torah. I want you to know that there's a Ramban also later in this introduction. That's really very interesting. The Ramban says that the Torah existed before the creation. And this is a medrash. And there's many interpretations of what this means, the Torah existing in the creation, that Abad says a very interesting one. He says, the letters of our Torah, with this 305,800 and something letters, existed just as our Sefer Torah has. But there was no division of words. There was one long word that was 305,800 and change letters. And you can divide the words in, in theoretically infinite different divisions and create different Torahs. And this would be how the Torah would be studied in different worlds. How the Torah manifests in our world with the division of the letters that we have is the physical version. But there are spirit, the letters are constant. It's a very interesting Ramban. The letters don't change. The division of the letters into words to create different communiques, different messages, is distinct. It's changing from world to world. And now the Ramban gets to Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is different. Because all of a sudden, Moshe Rabbeinu is speaking in first person. And you could construe, as most people assume, based on the Gemara, that Dvarim is different than the first four Svarim, because Dvarim, Moshe wrote on his own initiative, it wasn't a direct communication from Hashem. Says Rabban, I disagree. The book of Dvarim, like all the other books, was written before creation, and was a direct communication to Hashem. Hashem said to Moshe, dictate, write word for word. And God said to Moshe, write that you're talking. Do not concern yourself with the question of the repetition, the repeated version of the Torah, which is the book of the Bible. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The, the form of the, the Vodim, of Deuteronomy, as Moshe is speaking on his own behalf. For example, and I pleaded with God, and I prayed to God, and so forth. Says the Rabban, why? The beginning of the Vodim. Is How does the book of Devarim begin? These are the words that Moshe said to the Jewish people. Now, this first passage, 
These are the words that Moshe said to the Jewish people. Who is telling, who is saying it? That same unidentified third party, that same unidentified third person, okay? Which means that the, the beginning of the book of Devarim enlightens, it shows that even though the form of Devarim is that Moshe is talking, but Moshe is talking as God told him to say. So the Ramban, it seems to me, is different than most Rishonim. The Ramban is of the opinion that Sefer Devarim also is part of the title which predates creation. And the Abish told him to divide up the letters and to create the words that create a model and a form as though Moshe Rabbeinu is being the personality doing the talking. But Hashem is telling him, this is the dictation, this is what you need to write. This is, this is the introduction. So according to that, why would it be an, an so far into the Torah <coughs> that this becomes introduced, this concept becomes introduced. Why isn't, why isn't it introduced? Earlier. Earlier. Why? Well, I, I would ask the question alternatively, why is this a part of the Torah model? It's Hashem's communication to man. It's about Hashem, it's not about man. And here all of a sudden, man is becoming the central contributor and remember, you're dealing with a book that was written before the world was created, before man was created. Again, there's so many different answers to that question. It's, 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 a, it's non-stop. Now turn to page two. Oh. Turn to page two. Let's read. Let's read. Eilad Vodim, these are the words. Ashadibim Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu spoke. I'll call you to all of Israel. On the eastern bank of the river Jordan. And Bamidbar of the desert, Barava on the plains, Moil Suf, opposite Suf, Bain Paran or Bain Tevavalovan, between the places called Paran and the place called Tevavalovan, Vachateres and the place called Chateres, Vedizahav, and too much gold. It is a very, very obscure Pasuk. It's a very, very strange Pasuk. So this is how the, the Pasha begins. It's a very, very strange Pasuk. These are the words that Moshe Rabbeinu said in the western side, in the east side of the Yadin. Bamidbar ba'aravo me'lsuf be'imparan o'venteif avalavam v'chateres v'dizahav. It's a very strange passage. And if, if we can quickly turn, if I still have him a chumash here, to page 5, it says, Ach hadas ha'yeh me'chayrev. Page 5. Page 5. Ach hadas ha'yeh me'chayrev. They were 11 days journey from Harsinai. Derechav says to the mountains of Seir, at Kadesh Baneh to a point called Kadesh Baneh, which evidently was where they were. By he and it was Barbaim Shana the fortieth year, by Ashli Asa Chaydish the eleventh month, by Echad Lachaydish the first day of that month. Diva Meisha Meisha Ben speaks. That's it. That's all you have. Diva Meisha I'll call you slow. Meisha Ben speaks to the Jewish people, and then it says he goes. He starts reviewing the history of the prior forty years. And then it also says, Hail Moshe, Be'er, Zatayr, Azayis, Leim, Be'er, Hetev. It also says in the Chumash, Moshe Rabbeinu began to translate the Torah. And it's explained in Chazal that this notion of Moshe Rabbeinu translated, it means that Moshe Rabbeinu actually wrote 70 different translations of the Torah for each one of the 70 different languages. This he did in also in the beginning of Sefer Devarim. So first, 36 days before Moshe's passing, the first day of Shvat. Now, Asubi Shvat has... Usually Shvat has 30 days, so you get to 36. So maybe you don't count the day that he passed away, which is the 7th of Adar, or whatever the case may be. But it says in this package someplace, all of a sudden Moshe Rabbeinu, 36 was passing, there's a radiation of Fabrengans. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was their Rebbe, was their leader for 40 years. We have no idea how frequently Moshe Rabbeinu gathered Jews and how much he spoke to them. There's only one other case in the Chumash where there's a Pasha that Rashi says, Pasha Zu Nem which means Moshe gathered everybody together and he spoke to the whole community. It's Pasha's Kedosh. Aside from that, we don't really know the reality of life of the Yidin and the Midbar short of what's written in the Chumash, which is really very little. The Chumash tells us a lot about a period, about a year and a half, from Pesach 2448 till the end of the story with the spies, which was the end of the year 2449, and that's it. And then Miriam dies, which is the end of the 40 years. We don't really know what life was like during that period. We, have, we know about the Mon, we know about the Covid, we know about Beresha Miriam. We know various different things, but what was, how available was Moshe Rabbeinu? Did he come out on a daily basis? Did he come out on an hourly basis? Did he come out on a weekly basis? Did he come out on a month? Nobody knows. How involved was Moshe Rabbeinu? It's hard to know. One thing is certain, the last 36 days of his life, he was there. He was so available. The whole Sefer Dvarim was spoken in 36 days, and it stands to reason that it was a lot more than what's written here. This is a, an abridged version. This is the Tere. But Moshe just gave and gave and gave and gave and gave and gave. And the Pasuk begins, These are the words, going back down to page 1, that Moshe Rabbeinu is communicating, They've come to the bank of the river Jordan, they're on the eastern bank of the river, they're going to cross over to the Holy Land, Moshe Rabbeinu knows that for him this is the end of the line, he gathers the Jewish people and he speaks. And the Pasuk says, These are the words. Now what... What, what are these words? Is it, is it before, does it require Moshe to speak, to be asked a question, and now he's just speaking like extemporaneously without a question being asked? I, I, as a rule, Moshe Rabbeinu was not a one who answered questions. Moshe Rabbeinu gave rules. I mean, nobody was more <laughs> of an initiator of new ideas. He gave us the Torah. He gave us Shabbos and Kosher and Paraduma and Latkes and uh, whatever it is. Hamantashen. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was the creator of Yiddishkeit. Davis was the creator. He was the communicator. He was very original. And then we know there was a whole system of judges and, 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 and leaders and people had issues. They didn't go directly to Moshe. They went to the, to the local judge and they had a bigger issue. They went to a late grain until it came to the top of the pyramid was Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, but the Pasuk says, Eilad Varm, these are the words. Ashadibim Moshe, Moshe gathers Klal Yisrael together, Kol Yisrael to all of the Jewish people of Eivar Ayad in the eastern bank of the river. That's all we're going to do is half a Pasuk. The Bar Midbar, the Barav, a male soap in part of a tape of a love machter dizav will do next year if Hashem will help us. Half a pasuk is more than sufficient. Eila Advarim, this whole book of Deuteronomy, this whole book of Devarim, is Moshe Rabbeinu's final salvo. Thirty-six states for his talkers. Relatively speaking, it's a very short time, right? He was a rebbe for forty years, and in those forty years, he gave us the equivalent of three books. And now, in thirty-six days, he's giving us a fourth volume, Sefer Devarim. And he's just giving and giving and giving and giving. And this is the record of those words. What did he say? These are the words. And of course you can assume correctly that there's a lot of opinions about well, what, what does this mean? These are the words. Which words? Which, which words are these words? How can you identify the essence of these words? Now we like to create questions in the belief that the key to learning anything, especially Teda, is questions. Questions are, are locks. We can find the right key and open it. It brings us into the beauty, into the depth, into the intricacy, into the infinity of the Torah. So we need to create questions. The question number one is, Which words are these? 
one of the Fashions say, why doesn't it say Ve'elad? But, but why does it say Al-Kol Yisrael? Why is he speaking to everybody? What's the significance of talking to every single Jew in the world? And so on. We'll just start off with those two questions. There, there, there are many, many more. But the two questions which are going to be the central issues, discussion tonight is which, what is the essence of these words that the Torah identifies as Eilat Vadim, and what is the significance and the meaning of speaking al talking to everybody. Talking to everybody is a problem. Because when you talk to everybody at once, you satisfy exactly nobody. Because you have to compromise what you're going to say for one group to accommodate another. You have to compromise the second group to accommodate the first. If you speak to scholars, you speak to lay people, you speak to professionals, you can speak their language. But if you talk to everybody, you can speak nobody's language. And the Teda says, El Kol Yisrael, he speaks to everybody all at once. Those are our two basic issues. Okay? Let's begin with the Rashi. And you'll see that in the Rishonim, we're going to have two paths, two basic ideas. And then it's going to get interesting. We're going to have mixing and matching, as we always do. I, by the way, I thought there was a mystical element to when, when like a Nasi speaks, meaning that everybody feels like he's speaking directly to them. Meaning, even though he's speaking to everyone, they all walk away feeling like he was speaking directly to my heart. Yes, that, that, that's certainly true. And I guess you could say you just took away my thunder. I'm uh, my class is not, I'm just getting on you. leave now? <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody should leave. <laughs> Yeah, call Yisrael. Right? <laughs> Pardon me. If we're leaving together, you might as well stick around, right? He provoked that phone. Uh-huh. So he talked to no one. I was thinking, yeah. how is that possible? Um, that's true. What you're saying, but even when Moshe talks to everybody, there's distinction, and it's a unique type of communication or a unique level of communication where one size fits all. There's no question, and that's the issue. Okay, so let's begin with Rashi. Rashi offers us very basic interpretations, and like I said to you, we're going to have basically two positions on this: in the Rishonim and in the Achrenim, we're going to start mixing and matching and dancing around. Rashi says like this: Eilat Varim says Rashi. These are the words of the These are words of rebuke and criticism. Um, so Eilat means these words. These words means the words of criticism and judgment with Moshe Rabbeinu was giving Klal Yisrael. Omona Khan. This pasuk enumerates Kol all of the locations. Sheikh the Jewish people angered God Almighty. That's why it's obscure. It's, ref, it's referred to. It's mentioned in, in a riddle. For the honor of the Jewish people. These words, I'm not going to tell you. Figure it out. Why not? Because it's insulting to Kol Yisrael. So Moshe makes this deliberately vague allusion. People, I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. You ready? Yeah. Midbar. Excuse me? Arava. What are you talking about? Suf. Until the Jewish people catch on that Moshe is reminding them of all the mistakes they've made. Now this gets very dynamic. Son of observed something very, very obvious. The people who did all those sins were dead and buried. The people he's talking to are their kids. That's not fair. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I'm a school teacher. Who does the teacher complain to when the students don't show up to class? The ones who came. Because <laughs> the ones who aren't there, you can't complain to. Right? Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining to the generation after the people made all these rebellions. But nevertheless, this is Rashi's position. This is Moshe Rabbeinu is giving Kual Yisrael Musa. El Kol Yisrael. And he's giving this Musa to the whole lot of Eden. Because Elo Haichiach Mikhtasan. 
if you would only rebuke a group, those people out in the market would say, you stood and listened to Moshe Rabbeinu criticize you, and you didn't defend yourself, you didn't explain yourself, you didn't say, excuse me Moshe, you're exaggerating. Had we been there, we would have responded. Says Rashi, he gathered every single one of them. Every single Jew alive is here. Call me Shiesh If something to say, say it. That's the Rashi's interpretation of El Kol Yisrael. These words, these words that are obscure, were words of criticism. And Moshe is saying them to everybody together. And Rashi gives the most simple interpretation of why everybody needed together. Because Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't want anybody to say, well, I had something to say, I just wasn't present at the time. This is Rashi. Now I'm going to bother you to turn to page 5 quickly. Because I want to read one more Rashi with you, which is very interesting to me. Very interesting to me. You see what my arrow is? Mm-hmm. The first day of the 11th month, 36 or 37 days before Mishra Rabbeinu is Malamit says, Rashi just comes to teach us. Moshe held back from criticizing the Jews till immediately prior to his passing. Moshe had a lot of issues with the Jewish people. And he, he bit his lip. Who did he take direction from? His great-grandfather, Yankel Avinu. Did not rebuke his sons immediately before death. Omar said, "Reuven, beni, my son Reuven." I'm telling you, why did I keep quiet and reprimand you all these years? Says he, you shouldn't leave me. and go and become a partner with my brother Esav. And there's four reasons, says Rashi. Because of which that ain't you don't rebuke a person only near death. And they are. Number one. Listen to this. You shouldn't criticize a person more than once. You shouldn't criticize a person more than once. And if you criticize them early, you're gonna probably get around to it again. You know, I I'm a parent. A lot of people here are parents, right? And you know, the thing about parenting is you know when you know how to parent? After your last kid's grown up, you've figured it out. But that's the way it goes. So basically, we're constantly talking about parenting. And I have to tell you, parents are always engaged in discussion about what's the best way to parent. And since there are two parents, you have Baruch what to fight about. And if you add to the fact that they're both Jews, so then it becomes an imperative. Um, so one of the discussions that we have a lot in our house is, a kid does something wrong. And sometimes kids do something grossly wrong. Whatever it is. So one philosophy says, a kid does something wrong. Deal with it immediately punish them, reprimand them. Don't come back to them two days later and remind them what they did. Kids in general live in the moment. And you know what? If adults live that way, they'd be better off. But kids, you come to a kid and start screaming at him, yesterday, he doesn't know what you're talking about. And there's a lot of reasons not to do it. I say the most profound reason to do it is because when you, when a kid does something wrong and you immediately reprimand him, the kid understands what's coming. When you keep telling your kid, yes, he does something wrong, you, you destroy his self-esteem because he really does not link the event to the negative emotion. He feels a negative emotion. He doesn't know why it is. Now you're telling him yesterday you did that or last week or last month or I tell you a million times. But in the psyche of the child, the negative emotion that he feels is crushing him. He doesn't see the corollary. He's not that sophisticated. 
in parenting, it makes sense. A child does something wrong. And if you didn't get him, you missed a chance. If a kid does something wrong, and you didn't, you know, on the spot, you didn't react, to come back three days later, say, oh, by the way, I didn't slap you for that crime. Come here, I'll give you two, one for this and one for that. You can't do that. I, I believe that that's, except in extreme situations or in patterns that have to be really resolved by getting into the child, I think it's, it's, it's a correct philosophy. And this is how the Ebishter behaves, how Meshach Rabbein has, Yankavina behaves. He, he, he doesn't want to criticize more than once. So either you criticize immediately or you don't criticize at all. Moshe Rabbeinu is passing away. He's criticizing now. You see, but the criticism that Moshe is giving now can't be called criticism for various reasons, which you'll see over the course of the evening. Next. <laughs> when you criticize a person, you're embarrassing them. You don't want to embarrass your child in front of the parent unless you have no alternative. So you wait, mamish, till the very end. Right? There's two other reasons why you don't criticize a person until immediately prior to death. I figure one of the others is that they shouldn't run away from you. But he only brings two. He doesn't bring all four. His criticism came before his passing. I just want you to know that as I was preparing this, I remembered a story which is published. Rabbi Saul Jacobson, Rabbi Saul Jacobson, who lived here in America, he came here in the mid-1920s, who was very instrumental in building Lubavitch in America, recalls in very great detail the previous Rebbe's visit here in 1929-1930. The previous Rebbe, he was a holy man, goes without saying. But the previous Rebbe was a, was a, was a really big man. He wasn't a Rebbe, a bottler. He was an extremely, extremely, extremely capable person had an unbelievable sense of the world. And he had a sense of conquest. He had a largesse about his attitude. His whole approach to this world was, I'm in charge. He lived this way. And he was, he was a very, very effective public servant. He was a very, very effective leader. Elamaza didn't intimidate him. Money didn't frighten him away. Debts didn't frighten him away. He was a, he was a, he was a big player. He, he had a very big sense of the world and a very big sense of how to manipulate it. And he lived this way. You read his life, you, you see clearly that his fanem, his capacity and his vision and his, his, what he bit off to chew on was enormous. He came to America in 1929. And the American Hasidim made the preparations for him. And they did a stinking job. America's view of the old country Europeans was batlanim, schnurrers, you know, the Americans viewed the Europeans as, as, as pathetic, as, you know, as yeah, poor, first the people that come to America, they're raising a few dollars, they make a chuppet. The Europeans were gedailim, not all of them, but they were giants. <coughs> but the Fidik Rebbe goes without saying, the Fidik Rebbe came here, and he was very disappointed. He was afraid of the accommodations. The Rebbe came to America, and he, he, people knew months in advance that he was coming. They gave him uh, accommodations, a place to stay. Within weeks, he went and he rented his own house in, in the most modern neighborhood of Brooklyn, in Crown Heights. They gave him a, 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 an apartment in Borough Park on top of Rabbi Simpson's shul. The Rebbe came here and he, he realized these people, they just don't get it. These were Anash, these were Tmim, these were Lubavitches, but they had become Americanized. And their whole model was, yeah, for European Rebbe, it's enough, you know. 
The Rebbe came in and says, I'm on Rodney Street. I'm not in Borough Park. He rented himself a house, a whole house with a huge... The Friedrich Rebbe. Yeah. Yeah. He came to America. Within weeks, he moved out of the accommodations that they made for him. He took rented his own house. He raised money. And he started to live like the Friedrich Rebbe. He traveled all over America. He had... He, he, he basically sidelined all the people who were supposed to have made the 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 the, the, uh, itinerary. the itinerary for his trip. He's a bunch of batlon. Anyway, he was here a year, a year. Nobody heard a word. He came here with some people. He came with the Pachach. Mama, within weeks of his arrival, he said he rented a house, not an apartment. He rented a house with a yard and he built a sukkah and he had a shul and people came. They went, they went but they were supposed to prepare it for him. He was very disappointed. So Rasul Jacobson writes, it was here. His center was New York. It was this house on Rodney Street, I think. And he traveled all over. He, was, he met the president. He was in Washington. He was in Baltimore. He was in Chicago for a very long time. He was in Boston. He was in Springfield. He was in many, many. He was in St. Louis. He was in Milwaukee. And uh, a couple of nights before he left, it was a goodbye party. There's a film of that goodbye party. We see the Kramer boy reading songs, I don't know long, you know. And the Rebbe is sitting at the head of the table, what looks like the most beautiful countenance. He's playing with his beard, he's smoking a cigarette. The next night there was a meeting. Rabbi Jacobson says, we got it over the head. What the Rebbe said is not published. Just that we got it. The Rebbe called together the Tmim and said, what's with you people? This, 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 this is what we are. Rabbi Saul was so devastated by what it was that the Rebbe told him that night that he simply didn't record it. He just writes, the Rebbe let us have it. <laughs> the night before he left the country. Now you tell me how many people have that approach. What's the point? A whole year he was here. They, 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 they blew it. So he just went around them. He, made it, he, just, he created a new itinerary. He just made his own... You know, he, he, the Americans fell for the Vriyadikadeb. They, they didn't look at him like a schnodder from Europe. They stood in reverence at him because his personality was so powerful. Even the presidents, you know, even the bullies, the, the Rebbe's personality was unbelievable. You met him and you, 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 you became smaller. So, so, a whole, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. He was so happy and so thankful. Isn't it wonderful? Everybody's so nice. Before I let him go, I said, you didn't. It's the same Yiddish guy, the same Rebbe, the same Abish that America doesn't change anything. What's with you people? That model is consistent with this. Forty years, Moshe Rabbeinu suffers with Yidin, doesn't say a word. Now he's passing away. The Musa has to be said. The question is, what's the intent? What's the intent? What's the intent? Now, if the Musa is correctional, if the Musa is fix it, in other words, if the moichiach, the one giving the musr, intends to actually change a person's behavior, you can't wait till you're going to pass away to do that. That's done on the spot. But there are various reasons for heichacha. Musr is not necessarily to affect a practical creation. Musr is to put things on the table as a, as a model, as a precedent. Say, look, this is what's going on. You put the pieces of the puzzle together. This is not about the past. Yes, I'm reviewing the past. I'm reviewing the past as a, as a 
a precursor, as a preemption, as a preparation for the future. This is what's unusual about this Musa. And Moshe waits till right before he passes away. What I'm telling you right now is more or less the Sikh of the Rebbe, which is in the very last page, on page um, 21, if you're a pamphlet, if you can quickly close your stacks, we'll do it very, very quickly. Okay? Um, it's the right side, it's four paragraphs from the bottom of the right side of page, tw- the last page, Mamish. Right, there we are. There's many occasions of criticism from Moshe is criticizing the Jewish people as what built into for negative things. But the criticism is being given initially, immediately. Doesn't it wrong? Moshe says, uh-uh, no good. Move when it's understood. This isn't just to criticize for the sake of criticism. And I want you to know, the translation of the word teichocha is translated as rebuke or criticism. The root of the word teichocha actually means to show. To give clarity. Teichocha doesn't mean to criticize. It means to open up. The people should see things for what they really are. Of course Moshe criticized the Jewish people. But it was never teichocha. It was never criticizing as criticism. It was correction. As opposed to the criticism in our Pasha, he's not trying to stop them from sinning. There's not a single sin which was current. These are sins that happened 40 years before. And the people with whom they occurred are passed away. reminding of all the not good things that are over the curse of the prior 40 years. Kalaima, this means, number one, it's not current, it's a long time ago. Number two, it's not specific, it's many things. And lastly, whom is he talking to? Not to the sinners. They all died, to their descendants. Consequently, and in this particular case, there is no correction, only criticism, only showing. Look, this is what has happened. Let's learn from the past. Okay, and since it's only teichacha, Moshe waits before he passes away. So the Rebbe divides criticism into two categories. One category is teichacha laafrushim yisura to make a correction. That must be done immediately, and when you miss the chance, you cannot come back later and do it. And the second is to give people an example from their own lives from the whole history to learn not to repeat the same mistakes in the future this is how you read this Rashi so Rashi's getting back now to page 1 Rashi's issue is what are the words that Meshire is speaking until I saw the words of Musa this opinion that Rashi is speaking words of Musa is also the opinion of the Sepornu which is on page 3 so the Sepornu says like this in each one of the places mentioned here the locations where they went off the straight path Isu means they went circuitous on a crooked path that based on the decree of God Almighty 
Laniyim b'amidbar to make them, you know, wander through the desert. Bavein ha'meragim because of the sin of the spies. So Alma Meisha l'chol Yisro Meisha Rabbeinu says Eila Hadvarim. She asks This is what you have to remember. So the Sefer who agrees with Rashi that Meisha Rabbeinu is recounting their history as a techoch, which again translates basically as criticism and more correctly as observation, as pointing out, as indicating. Okay? This is the first interpretation. These are the words. What are the words? Words of criticism. Now let's go to the Ebenezer. Ebenezer is on page 2. And Ebenezer disagrees. And he sets the other, the other position in motion. And it's going to develop with the Ebenezer and then the Ramban and so forth. You see it? Mm-hmm. Eila Advarim. I circle the words. Eila Advarim. Says the Ebenezer. Rashi says Musr. He can't say Musr. Shem divrei ha It's the mitzvahs. Haksuvim b'pashas ei yonechi v'sheftim v'kiseitzif v'yikisavim. These are the words that doesn't refer to criticism or rebuke or the recapitulation of history. It's a reference to the mitzvahs that Meshach Rabbeinu is repeating. So, Rashi says, these are the words that Meshach is repeating history, the stories. And Ebenezer says, no, Meshach Rabbeinu is repeating the mitzvahs. So the Apostle says, Kvar Omar Oysam, they've already been told to Klal Yisrael, Kashar Hoyu B'midbar, as they were in the desert. Okay? Wait, he was repeating the mitzvahs? Right. But I thought he was indicating the places where they... Where they learned mitzvahs. Uh-huh. The words Diber Meisha include the Moshe Rabbeinu spoke and other words. Meaning to say, he spoke in these places. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu said. That from the time left Har Sinai, Moshe has been teaching them Teda and Mitzvahs, and this is what the Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating. So the Ebenezer takes the opposite position of Rashi. He holds there's no criticism at all. Moshe Rabbeinu was simply saying, "Remember, we learned Teda in Mel Suf and Ben Pefilolavon and Bamidbar and Barava. Let's review the Teda we learned in all these locations. It has nothing to do with criticism at all." This is the Ebenezer. The Ramban creates essentially a synthesis between Rashi and Ebenezer, but he's heavily stacked on the Ebenezer's side. It's a very interesting Ramban, and it begins on page 3. It's a rather lengthy Ramban. He says like this, That's all. The Ramban agrees to Ebenezer. The words that Moshe Rabbeinu is communicating are not rebuke and criticism, they're the mitzvahs. Which is going to be discussed in this whole book. Beginning with the Ten Commandments. You know what the Ten Commandments are? Huh? Almost at the end of Vos Chana. A parsha and a half into the book of Dvarim. Moshe says, let me tell you about the mitzvahs. Remember? Remember we went to the desert to tell you about mitzvahs? Remember we went to the desert? You know what happened in the desert, right? We did this and this and this and this and this. And we learned about the mitzvahs. So Moshe begins the Sefer talking about mitzvahs and he immediately digresses. And he doesn't get back to the mitzvahs till a patch and a half later. That's how he reads it. Moshe is explaining the Teda later as follows. He's discussing Teda. Again, Ramban is clearly disposed to disagree with Rashi and say this wasn't criticism. It was a review of Teda. But in the interim, he's already mentioning some of the history that had occurred. Okay. Go down three lines. Okay. Vashir, where I made my one underline. 
V'shir ha'ksuvim ha'elo. The way you read these psukim is as follows. Ela mitzvah zeshadi b'meisha kol yisol ve'ber ayadim. These are the mitzvahs of Meisha Rabbeinu repeated to kol yisol on the eastern bank of the river Jordan. Barboim shanol tzaisam b'mitzrayim forty years after they left Egypt. Ba'achad la'chaydish ha'ash le'yasa on the first day of the eleventh month. Kichayla shetziva Hashem oisi aleim as Meisha Hagalamari had commanded them. And when was it that Mesh is repeating this? After they had defeated Sichin and Oig, and so forth and so on. So what happens is that Amban says, Moshe gathers Yidin together, and he wants to review Yiddishkeit, and in reviewing Yiddishkeit, he's reminding them of what had occurred, in other words, where they learned this Yiddishkeit. And that's the whole Ariches that we have in our Pasha, and in Pasha's Vazchana. Um, Top of page four now, please. Just top of page four. Turn over your stack. Isn't it curious though that he doesn't bring up the ten utterances until later though? I mean, yeah. So the way he reads it is he wants to mention the Ten Commandments. But in the meantime he's saying remember, remember what we remember what the Ten Commandments happened? Remember it happened here and happened here and happened here. The Rebbe has a footnote in his Sikha that I saw today. Where he suggests that uh, that it was a combination. The Rebbe learned Shatan Amban that he's agreeing with Rashi a little bit, that there was an intent to criticize also, but it was criticism as part of Tate and Mitch's. Evan Ezra says there was no criticism whatsoever. Rashi says it's entirely criticism. Ramban says it was about Tate and Mitzvah, but he weaves into the discussion the criticism as well. The next issue was El Kol Yisrael. Why is he telling it to everybody? Page four. Uh, three lines in the top of the page. Ramban is the top of the page. The Pasik articulates Bukan Ashadiba Meshal Kol Yisrael speaks to all the Jewish people as one. Visham and again in the book of Oshanan, Vayikra Meshal Kol Yisrael, Kibira Tayda Vatashma Mitzvis, to explain the Tayda and to complete the mitzvahs, everybody has to be present. Why? When God gave us the Tayda, we were all there. When the Tayda is being finalized and crystallized and clarified, everybody has to be present. That's the Ramban's El Kol Yisrael. Rashi's El Kol Yisrael is, if someone wasn't there, he's going to say, I would have answered him back. The Ramban's El Kol Yisrael, since we're dealing with Yiddishkeit, every person has to be witness to it. Okay? V'hine, second column, please. V'hine, hiske b'kanshne devarim. If you look at this Sefer Devarim, you see two categories of mitzvahs. Omar, first of all, Shadibim Meishel Bnei Yisrael, Meishel Rabbeinu has taught the Jewish people, Kechayla Shatiba Hashem Meishel Elohim, everything Hashem commanded them, which means, Vezerem, this is a reference, Elam Mitzvah Sheyama Lehem Besefer Azeh, this is a reference to the mitzvahs in this book, Sholeniskiru Atayna Beteira. There are many commandments in the book of Deuteronomy that don't appear anyplace else in the Chumash. So Meishel says, I want you to know, the mitzvahs I'm telling you now, they never told you before. I got them from God also. I'm not making them up. The Amar Shehim Gamkein that they too are included in Gechol Hashatziv Eisi Hashem. Everything Hashem commanded him. Okay, go down three lines, please. Three lines. The Amarait. Additionally, he's saying, you see where I went down. Ki Hayal Meisha Beiras Atayda Meisha. He makes every effort to explain the Torah. Vazerem. This is a hint. The mitzvahs Shenem Lukvar. The mitzvahs which are already said. Sheyachzer Oisem. He repeats them again. Lavayer Oisem to clarify them. Or Luchalish Bem Dvarim to add little details. So the pasuk is saying, Moshe is gathering Yidden. He's gathering everybody to teach them Yiddishkeit. He's teaching them new things and he's reviewing the old. 
He says, I'm reviewing the old because of the new aspects. And the new that I'm teaching is not new. The Abishta gave it to me. I just didn't pass it along till now. So you see a clear distinction. Rashi and Sipponor are on one side, Ebenezer and Amban are on another. And I suppose that the Ebenezer is even more polar than Amban. He has no connection whatsoever to criticism. It's only about Tayrit. Okay? Now this position is held by Derashbam, and this position is also held by the Tur. Okay? But the clock is not holding up for us. So I figure, you just have to trust me that what I'm telling you is true, that the Ramban and the Tur say the same thing. The Ramban, the Tur is worth reading. Page 3 at the top. We'll just do the Tur quickly. Um, I want you to know that the words Eilah Hadvarim appear in Teda more than once. There's a lot of places in the words Eilah Hadvarim. There's a rule in Teda that says Dvarim is plural. Dvar means a thing. Dvarim means things. Chazal say Miyut Rabim Shnayim. The least amount that can be seated many is two. So when Teda says Dvarim, things, it has to be a minimum of two. The Hadvarim, the lecture hey makes a three. Eila Hadvarim. This is Hadvarim. was repeated three times. That's how he translates it. So he says, what's the Pshat Eila Hadvarim? Let's read the Balaturim. Dvarim Hadvarim Eila Hadvarim. Words, the words, these are the words. Remez hints to Gimel Pa'amim Nemeh. They're repeated three times. They're repeated three times. Besinai, the first time was on the mountain. Mm-hmm. The repeated second time in Almeida, as we discussed in our in class at Pashas Bahar, in the tenth of meeting. Mm-hmm. We said the third time at the bank of the river Jordan in the outskirts of Mayav. They had 16 covenants made at Sinai in each mitzvah. The Yudvav made 16 more made in the tent of meeting. The Yudvav Ba'avis Mayev and 15 more at the outskirts of Mayev. Shehem Memchas 16, 16, and 16 ends up to 48. Who connect and hid them and Memchas Pamabatayla Lavay the Zara. This is why there are 48 mentions to not worshipping idols and 48 times about a convert joining the Jewish people because there are 48 covenants connected to the table. This is how he begins. What means covenant? Covenants. Covenant means pact, deals that the Abishta made with Claudius Yisrael. He says there's 48 covenants. The Gemara says there's three. The Balaturim says there's 48. Mm-hmm. In any case, so the Balaturim is siding with the Ramban and Evan Ezra. It's about Yiddishkeit and about mitzvahs. And he says, what's the Balaturim? That this was repeated three times. The Yiddishkeit, Jewish people got all the mitzvahs on three different occasions. That's it. So you have the two basic Positions about how you read the Pasha um, established. Now, I'm sorry, just clarify one more time. Please. A pact is, if, give me an example of what a Jewish person might, uh, a pact they would make. Oh. A pact by definition means where you have a connection with something that's based on something, a reasonable connection. The proper reasonable connection is that circumstances change and connections dissolve. Okay. Right? Say people like music. So they belong to a band and one loses interest mm. or changes his passion. They love a relationship because they didn't love each other, they love their common interest. A pact means the two people say, we know that what binds us is something other than me and you. Let's make a pact that when that glue is gone, we should still be one. In other words, it's a adding a quality to the bond that's beyond reason, beyond the need for a third component to act as the adhesive, as the glue. 
And it's called a covenant. That's what it means, a covenant. A covenant means we're linking one another to each other on a level which cannot be severed because it's not based on something. You heard it. Okay. Let's go to the Al-Sheikh. Al-Sheikh is on page 9. Al-Sheikh is on page 9. And the Al-Sheikh gets very, very grand. He gets very, very dramatic. It's very interesting. The Al-Sheikh, his language is very rich. His Hebrew is beautiful. His... His, cre- his artistic uh, sense comes across in his prose here. He's beginning the book of the Vodim and he's trying to give you this very, very, very inspired sense of what's transpiring. And he says like this, That's the fifth line in the Alshech. You see it? You see it? Five lines. My short opinion in short is, Allahu is, is true that Chachamim Yagidu, wise men will say, Two things creates the marriage between the Chassan, the Jewish people, and the king, the God of hosts. There are two reasons we have a connection to Hashem. Achas. is by studying his Torah. Kalkein kolos. Moshe, Kra, Havaya, the Ebishter calls Hashem, calls Moshe Rabbein his Kala, and Shein is Bemaisa. Action, deed. There's two bases, or bases, for the special relation Jewish people and God. So we study as Torah and we do as Mitzvahs. Correct? Kishnei Eila, these two things, they include Michlal Yoifi, every beautiful thing. All kinds of perfection and wholeness and peacefulness is included in these two things. As it is known, in the, in the groups of people who know what Das is. Al-Kain consequently. When the greatest of all men knew as Etoi that he was going to pass away, he wants to speak to the Jewish people and communicate to them both of these messages. The message of Torah study and the message of behavior, of action. What's Achas? At, at one time, ke'achas, at one time. Laman Yishmu, they should listen. Laman Yimu, they should learn. To do the wishes of their Father in Heaven. And they should have also El Mabu. New paragraph. And he begins with action. Moshe wants to inspire the Jewish people to do the mitzvahs and to study his Torah. He begins with action. How do you begin with action? You're no good. On the surface, he's giving them criticism. Or techacha, direction. The not good that they had done, which brought to them all kinds of evil. He says, look, you misbehaved, and who suffered? And again, remember, I think it's the Al-Sheikh Utaka says, he's criticizing the wrong people. They didn't sin. Their parents sinned. And Al-Sheikh is saying, the Meshav is giving them a It isn't even criticism. It's clarity. It's direction. It's vision. Okay, now, On page, exactly, on page 11, on page 11, it says, please turn to page 11 quickly. Mm-hmm. You ready? Mm-hmm. I made an arrow. And after saying the first thing, 
which is the criticism. He reels the second thing. What's the second thing? To clarify the Torah. In other words, what does the Alshir do? He says, who do I agree with? I agree with both. Rashi's right, and the Evanes is right. And the Namban is right. And the Sepondo is right. And the Torah is right. And the Rashbam is right. Meshach is covered to Jewish people saying, listen, this is my legacy. what I'll leave you with. You've got to do what God says. Don't be stupid not listen to Him. And study His Torah. So Rashi interprets El Advarim as being Musar. Ebn Ezra interprets El Advarim as being Torah. Alshach says it's both. That's all. That's all. Very helpful, this Alshach. And the next is, of course, the Abarabinah. The Abarabinah is very, very long. Um, but the Abarabinah, it's on page 14. It, the Abarabinah is huge. We can sit in this Abarabinah all you want. But turn to page 14. I made three arrows because I was shocked to find this. Okay, the Abarabinah. Abarabinah. Abarabinah is like this. This Musa, this Jewish people, he gave it to them many times already. There's nothing new about it. He's repeating what he said before. The Rebbe the Sikha learned in Rashi Eladvarim this kind of Echacha they never got before. The fact is that Moshe criticized them in the past, but that was Lafrushimir Surah to make them correct their ways. Now that Echacha is to give them a precedent for the future, Abba says, no, no, no. God Almighty commands Moshe Rabbeinu. He should begin his work with these psukim, Ashanemir Velosh and Nista, which are written in an obscure form. Lefishu Eidus Eliki. It's a godly testimony. That Yoid Ho Emes, it's a testament, testament to the truth, Mashava, what has passed, and Mashava, what's going to happen. The Amru, when it begins, Eila Advarim Ashadiba Mesha Koy. So these are the words that Mesha Rabbein has been telling the Jewish people for the previous 40 years. The criticism in the following work. Don't think Moshe just invented them now. This style. They were not told to the sinners themselves. Remember, the people that the sins are past. The people he's criticizing are their children. Don't think he's only criticizing the kids. He said, what I'm telling you, I told I it told to your parents. parents. I told your parents. Enekein. These same words. There is no doubt that Moshe already said it but the before. Zababa has a whole new approach. These words of criticism which he's giving to Yidin now the Yidin already got before. On the spot. On the spot. He gave it to the parents on the spot. Okay. So again, another another insight, another pshetel. Okay, that's it. Now, turn one page, page fifteen. I bought new books, so our stacks got thicker. Okay, I bought the Tzuni Alter. I've been looking for it for a while. I finally got a hold of it. The Tzuni is a sefer of, written by a Mekubal. The Menachem Tzuni lived about six hundred years ago, and um, I thought this book was more his sefer was more comprehensive. And he says two things. Oh wait, I forgot. I forgot. Before we go to the Tzuni. One of the details which, which the, the Al-Sheikh and the Ababano ask is what's Pshat al-Kol Yisrael to all the Jewish people? I'm not going to do it inside, don't worry. The Ababano, Al-Sheikh, Al-Sheikh has very, very complicated questions. The Al-Sheikh is huge, you can see it's huge. He says, Moshe is repeating old criticism. How come he doesn't repeat all the criticism? He skips a few. He skips a few important ones. 
So he says, Elad Moshe only repeats the criticism, which is Diva Moshe Kol Yisro. From Moshe to all the Jews. If there was a mistake that Yidin made, that Moshe made with them, he's not going to criticize them. He's just as guilty. Like the rock with the water. If there is a criticism, which is not Kol Yisro, but to a group of Yidin, Moshe is not going to repeat it. The Musa is going to be articulated here is Musa that Moshe can give in good conscience because he was not a participant. And it's relevant to all the Jews. It's just a very interesting uh, piece of al hmm. Now the Tiyuni, page 15. He also is wondering about Al-Kol Yisrael and he says something very lumdish, very nigledic, very scholarly. And in Mitzvah later on you'll see if you will, uh, different ways of seeing the same thing. He, the Tiyuni, is wondering what is the emphasis <coughs> speaking to all the Jews. So I underlined it, right? You see where the underline is? He says like this. Okay, go back one line. Because of Harich, I have no idea who Harich is. Why does the Pasuk begin? These are the words that Mesha speaks to all the Jewish people. And he says like this, Ella. Moshe is now going to teach them Torah. In other words, the Tiyuni is going to say, like that Amban and the Avinezre, that he's teaching them Torah. It's not about the Muslim. And when he teaches them Torah, he guys, everybody together. He says, now listen, Yedelach, I'm going to teach all of you the easy stuff. Then I'm going to send most of you home. And to the wise men, I'm going to teach the more complicated issues. Eilad Vodim, the beginning of the safest, I call yourselves for everybody. And then after he finished teaching everybody what everybody could understand, he sent them off and he taught just the scholars the lesser, the more intricate aspects of the day. That's how he says it. We have a precedent for that. Um, like last week we had a precedent for that same thing, right? To take that they... Matis, two weeks. Matis. Right, yeah, yeah, that was last week. He teaches everybody tight on elementary level. In other words, nigla. Avo, the deeper dimension of the day. Come in, smuchin, or the secrets, or divine names, or my secrets of creation, or my and the secrets of the divine chariot. Like Gila, he didn't reveal to everybody, only to individuals. These words he tells everybody, but not everything. That's the that's Tzir. So he holds Taki's teaching Tzir, and he's teaching the Tzir, the Nigel, the Tzir, the Kol, Klal Yisrael, and the Tzir is teaching just to a few. Vashtayist. And on the next page, adds one more kvetch. I made an arrow and a vertical line, yes? Mm-hmm. A circle? No, you don't have a vertical line, but you have an arrow. A circle. Right. One line above that circle. Moshe Rabbeinu is giving clarity and criticism to the Jewish people. Samach Lomasasi near his passing. Vekama, how close? Lam Midvav Yavim, 36 days. Vezeho Eile. What's the numerical equivalent of Eile? What's the gematria of Eile? 36. That Eilad Vadim, 36 days before he passes away, Moshe Rabbeinu is affording himself to criticize the Jewish people. from the first of Shvat, and Zayim the seventh of Adar. Now I count 37 days, but I don't know nothing. Okay. And then he goes on to say what Rashi says, they only criticize a person near death, and so forth and so on. Now, I want you to know that when you read this Tziyuni, you say, so, so, what's the big deal? So there happens to be a gematria, yippee do. The numbers match. Ayla's <laughs> gematria 36, 36 days before he passes away, he reveals like, so what's going on? Of course, the obvious answer to this question is, I don't know. 
But I want you to there's a deeper answer to this question. That in Chesidus, Eile means Gilui. The word Eile means to reveal. I'll give you a great example. Hashem has a name called Elekim. Right? Aleph, Lamed, Hey, Yud, Mem. Elekim is actually two words. Eile and Mi. Right? Eile, Aleph, Lamed, Hey. And then the letters Mi or Yam. Elekim is spelled Aleph, Lamed, Hey or K. And then Yud, Mem. Right. Yes? Yam is Bina. Okay? Mi, 50. 10 and 40 is 50. It's 50 gates of Bina. Eile is 36. Goes into 6 meters. 6 times 6 is 36. So it says in Chesidus, of course, based on Kabbalah, that Hashem's name, Elikim, has two levels. The revealing level and the concealed level. The revealing level, this is Eile, the Midas. And the concealed level, this is the Mi, or this is the Yam. And, of course, the question then becomes... How does this add up to the divine name of Lakim, which is the Gemati Yateva? It's, it's not the point. The point is that Eila shows on the revelation. So the idea of 36 days is not just a number. It's an idea. 36 represents the six emotions multiplied by six, which is a realm of revelation. And you'll see in the Maimir, at the end of this discussion, that the uniqueness of Sefer Tvarim was that the idea of Sefer Tvarim was that Godliness comes into a revealed state as opposed to a hidden state. In other words, the Maimari Hasidus are going to corroborate and bring out the profundity of this Tzuyuni. This Tzuyuni on the periphery is saying nothing. Okay, the math works. Thank you very much for mathematics. We're not talking here about trigonometry either. But the Pneumius of Eilat, that this 6 times 6, which is 36, is Gilui, revealing Godliness to Allah Madrege. That's the key to the Sefer Dvarim. And what was it about Bina? Bina was... 50. 50 one. gates of Bina. Ah. Okay. Now, on the next page is my other new safe, which I just acquired, Sifzei Koyen. I thought it was from the Baal HaMachabah, the Shachan Shulchanarach, but it's not. It's Metamod of Arizal, and he has delicious things. He has very nice ideas. Were you saying he holds Arizal? 16. That- he was a student of his, apparently. Uh-huh. Okay, now, he says what I told you before. These are the words that Hashem speaks. And he calls them words, right? So some of Hashem say words means Taira. Other people mean say words means criticism. The Shach says, well, I'm not so sure. He's aimed at the He says words. And in fact, they're criticism and showing direction. So the Shach says, yes, it was criticism. But Kafiya Emes, to be honest, they're not criticism, they're only words. They're observations. You know why? All these words and all this criticism, which is rebuking Jewish people, the people he's talking to didn't do one single one of them. The generation that did it, Safu Tamu had passed away. You understand? Right? Mm-hmm. So go down three lines now. Three lines. Count three lines. Moshe did not say them. The other place? Right there. Moshe did not say them to frighten them. They were little. When their parents did what they did. Right? He says, listen, I know you're not guilty. I'm not criticizing you. I'm saying learn from history. Right? If you don't, what do they say always? If you don't learn from history, you're bound to repeat it. It's not criticism. It's ideas which are being created as a means to help the future generations not make poor choices, which is completely consistent with the Rebbe's interpretation of Rashi. The next paragraph says, I'll call you soul to the whole body of Jewish people. And he says something very interesting. 
He says, you know something? It's hard to criticize. It's even harder to take criticism. Moshe spoke to the whole nation of Israel and they all took it. That's the kretch. They were able to take criticism. Whatever the explanation was, they were able to take it. Okay? Um, oh, you don't have an arrow. Lazer al kol Yisrael is six lines into the second paragraph. Six lines into the second paragraph. It says, Lekulam. Moshe is criticizing all of them because Kulam Balatei Chach, all of them are people who are involved in Musit. Ve'yachaylim lekabel techoches. The big issue was they can take it. Okay? And he says, Layla Eid of Rav, who the minute you tell them a little Musr, they go nuts. And this you should know, says in Abarbanel, I believe, either Abarbanel or Alshech, that he's st- in Alshech, he starts off speaking in riddles. Yeah? Bamidbar, Barava, Melsuf. A few Sukkim later, he's telling him out right there of Vedas. Says the, I think, uh, one of the two, either the Alshech or the Babinel, I don't understand. Why do you start with riddles and all of a sudden get over it? He says, very plain. Moshe was testing the Jewish people's fortitude. He was testing their, their stamina. If he's going to criticize them, are they going to all fall to pieces and get insensitive and start arguing with him? So he speaks in riddles and he waits for their response. And there isn't one. So he realizes they can take it. You can handle it, let me talk straight. And he gives it in the way it is. Mm. It's a balabate mm. He's speaking to everybody and he's giving them words of Moshe that they can handle. But he begins in speaking in riddles. And he hedges, he hedges, he hedges. He wants to see. And the Jews take it, they take it, they take it, they take it. So he speaks straight. And the Yalkut, which we didn't get a chance to do, the Yalkut Shemani says that uh, he says like, it's like a person who's old, he's passing away, and he's giving instructions, and his children say, maybe he's a bottle. How do we know he's clear? So he starts re- recapitulating what's happened to the family over the course of their lifetime. They say, boy, he remembers everything. <laughs> he remembers everything. He's got to be straight. He's got to be lucid. So we have to do what he says. Bamidbar, Barovo, Melsof, is gonna give Yidin his final instructions. But he wants them to take him seriously. So by repeating the history of the past forty say, boy, this the cop is stark. He has it. He has no right. It, it, it's clear. He's got it just the way it happened forty years before. We have to follow exactly what he says. So that's even more extreme than Rashi. It's in terms of the well, it's really a reflection on Moshe himself. According to Rashi, it's Moshe giving Musa for the sake of Yidin. According to this Yalkut, it's Moshe Rabbeinu really qualifying himself. And now we get to the Hasidus, which is on page 17. And I printed for you three Maimorim, prefix and suffix. Yeah, but it's, you'll see, it's all these are cut and pasted. It's not whole mimers. Because there, there was an iron test. There was a mimer iron test from the Rebbe Shepherd in Eladom, a very long mimer. But it, 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 it talked about everything except the Elad Vodim. Um, these are only, there's a part of Hemshech. It's part of the Samach Vov. Hemshech, Ayin Gimel and Ayin Hei is part of the Ayin Beis. The Maimorim are whatever they're on. You know how Sheikh and work. You, you start a conversation, just keep talking. And then you add prefix and suffix. I cut out the prefix and the suffix because they're relevant. They're relevant. Now the two Maimonim and Ayyambe say pretty much the same thing. But Samachvav is a little bit different. And it gets interesting here. Let's waste time. Let's do the Kashas. Page 17, the right side of the page. Page Shintazayim. 
words that Meshul Rabbeinu is speaking to the whole collection of Yidin. The Kliyakar asks the question. The Lion we find on no other occasion this emphasis, Shadiba Meshul Kol Yisrael. He's talking to everybody at once. Here in the Pasha of Hakel. What's this? Why does that say speaking to everybody? Either he is or he isn't. And if he is, it goes without saying. Why does the Tata emphasize that he's talking to everybody together? Right? The question is, How could one man speak to everybody? So first of all, why does Tata point it out? Second of all, how is it possible? Now what is the question? Why not? Whether there's an issue with amplification, I don't think that's the problem. I don't know how, but I don't think it's the problem. How can man say one message that should fit everybody? How could one size fit all? How can you say something that the same word is relevant for everybody? So the Tziyuni said, just simple stuff he told everybody. Then he sent most people home and this, the deeper stuff he said to the, to the music of people. Right? But the Maimed has a different observation. Because that's convenient. Huh? The other one seems convenient. You know, yeah, but explain. you should know the city was a big Mokubo, so I believe that he's hinting at this depth. He's hinting. My mother, he's hinting at it. We also have the question of Ramah. Ramah is Ramesha Al-Sheikh. He starts out being obscure, but he's trying to honor the Jewish people. A few psukim later, he's giving them overt criticism. So he brings these two questions. How could one man, how could one message be relevant for everybody? And how come you begin with obscurity and then all of a sudden you start getting clear? That's his question. Now the answers, and I'm going to pre- preempt. I'm going to tell you what he says. Now, I, I hope I'm telling you what he says, because I'm really telling you what I understood. You see what I'm reading now? I'm doing now the left side of the page, page Shin Chavdal, which is here. Whatever okay. our This is what the deal is. This is what the deal is. Rabbi Yankov said an hour ago, when the Nasi, when the Rebbe talks, he gives a special kayach, and therefore it's conceivable that he should speak to everybody at once. I believe this is what the Rebbe is trying to say, although this, this is a very, very vague paragraph, this one here. Let me give you a background, okay? A Pasuk in Chumash, also in Deuteronomy. Atem nitzovim hayoyim kulchem. You all stand today together as one. Before God, your God. What's the next words? Rashechem, your heads. Shiftechem, the leaders of your tribes. Shiftechem, and your judges. Right? Ziknechem, and your elders. Tapchem, the sheichem, and gechem, and So he starts off by saying, I'm talking to all of you at once. And then he enumerates categories. And then it says, Right? Bottom line is, I don't have a chumash, I have a chumash handy. Koyal Yisrael, I don't need it. Koyal Yisrael, finishes off saying, Koyal Yisrael, all the Jewish people together. In other words, the Pesukim say, you all are one are standing before God. Then enumerates ten categories, and all of you are standing before God. So my mother Chassidus, this Atam itself, Manashir. And what they explain, of course, is, the Chassidus, is a level where all Yidna are one. And then there's a level where Yidna are distinct. 
Ten categories of Jews. And then there's a level where the ten distinct categories should fuse and become one again. So, Atem Nitzav Mayayim Kulcha, Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to the Pneumius, to the Nakuda of Ayid, where all Yidna are one. Then all of these Jews that are on the level of the Pintana, if you will, they're one, come into this world. As they come into this world, they become ten categories. Ultimately, the purpose is that even as they are ten categories in this world, they should become coiled, they should become one again. This is the mysticism, this is the pnimius of those psukim. So the Samach Vav, although it's very vague, I believe is saying this. Maish is giving forth a message which is for everybody together. And then, he begins to break the message up into particulars. First he speaks in riddles, and then he speaks overtly. First he speaks in riddles, and then he speaks overtly. Good evening, Yishnei Zalman, right? Yeah. Still. <laughs> nice to see you. God bless you. Um, but my memory is constantly changing. Whatever he's saying has to fit everybody. How could one message fit everybody? Because it's an essence message. Then, this essence message is broken down. Each person gets what they need to get. In the end, it's going to become one again. You understand? End. Then it says Bar Midbar, Bar Belsuf, and so forth and so on. And the Maimon goes on to say as follows: When you speak to a person, you can have an overt intent and a subliminal intent. You can have a direct intent or a deeper intent. When you have a direct intent, you have to speak, you have to speak it out, you have to articulate. It, it takes a lot of words, and a, a lot of words are not very substantive. When you can communicate something subliminally, there's not a lot of words and there's multiple meanings. Correct? Correct? Mm-hmm. So the Pasik begins, mm-hmm. So this doesn't say in the mind, but this I'm assuming. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to speak words that are going to affect Yidin on a level of Kol world, all one. But there are different kinds of Jews. There are more sophisticated Jews and simpler Jews. And because there are more sophisticated Jews and more simpler Jews, the sophisticated Jews are going to get a subliminal message with many intents. And the simpler Jews are going to get an overt message, uh, which is distinct from person, which is, which is very articulated and doesn't have all those layers. So you read the development of the Pasuk as as follows. If you go back to page one, just for a second. Go back to page one, which is, the, the page is folded once. Okay? Eilat Vodim, these are words, Ashadiba Meshal, Kol Yisrael, Meshal, I mean, speaking to Kol Yisrael. Moshe is going to speak words which are going to be for the same for everybody. He's going to give a koyach, it's the same for everybody. Then, this is riddles. The riddles are being spoken to Jews who understand riddles. Because there's more in the riddle than in the overt communication. Later on, Moshe is going to get overt, he's talking to different Jews. So there's three things here, not two. Number one, there are words that Moshe is giving that are the same for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then number two, there are words which are given to people who understand riddles and hints, where one word has many meanings. And number three, Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking to Yidin who was simple. So he says it straight, and there's only one meaning. Mm-hmm. So the Al-Sheikh answered, what was the Al-Sheikh answer to this question? That Moshe wasn't sure how Yidin are going to take the criticism. So he hedged. He hinted and 
And when they reacted properly, he said it straight out. The Rebbe says, the hint is more than the overt, not less. What's being spoken in the riddle is not hedging, seeing what's going to happen. The hint has so much more, because it's obscure, it's vague, and it allows for so many different dimensions. And the direct message is speaking to a different category of Jews. So the Maimah divides it up into two, and I'm proposing that it's three. First of all, call Yisrael. Moshe is talking to Klal Yisrael as a cloud. Then, in addition to the Indian of Kol Yisrael, so this is this how you read it. And you should know the... the it yes, it did. The Vart of the Tziyuni becomes very relevant. What does it say? Ela means Gilui. You'll see in the, in the Ayin Beis, the word Gilui becomes especially significant. Ela Hadvarim Ashadibim Moshe Rabbein was reading, revealing words of Kol Yisrael to everybody together. And then... He's giving everybody what they can handle. The Chachamim are getting dual and triple and quadruple messages. One word with many meanings. And the simple people are getting what they need to get. Let's see the Maimon inside. Just for kids here. Okay. Ach yesh bazeh beiz madregis. It's the page Shin Chavdalad. What page? You're back on 17? You're back on 17 now. I'm sorry. Okay, go on. So to summarize, we, we, the level of the giloi is going from klal, then to sasu, right? to nigle. But is it remez? Is he teaching secrets in the middle? It's like this, this. The secrets have many meanings, right. including secret of meanings, no doubt. But you see, it turns out, it turns out that the maimed is in a way opposite of the tziyuni. What did the tziyuni say? First he speaks to everybody and tells them the simple stuff. Then he sends away the simpletons and he tells them the scholars deeper stuff. The Maimon is saying, forget, I'll call Yisrael is a gilui which is so high that it transcends distinction. <laughs> then he speaks in riddles right. to the sophisticated people. Okay. Then he sends away the sophisticated people and he speaks to the common people in the common in the language. language. Right, in a direct way. And the beauty, of course, of this is you see the dynamics of a Pusik. You can see the Pusik this way, you see the Pusik this way. And the wonderful news is you don't have to pick and choose. You can learn them and enjoy them all. You ready? Page 17. The Gantz Shevatavdi. What's with you? Right there. Left side of the page. All the levels of Jewish people. And I'm going to add to this all the levels of Jewish people as their opinion of Klaus. This is one madrege. This is a gili with everybody together. Now, scoot down seven lines. Scoot down seven lines. Ah! Yes? Yari Yankelev. Yesh pazeh beiz madrege. There's two types of Jews in general. Vein beiz minete chochor. There's two levels of criticism. Al derecha nister va derecha negle vacholo. The obscure and the overt. Vo inyano kudise beramaz. The dibe chochor derecha nister come from gvuras da abo. And it's a long story. You're welcome to read it on your own. So the way it goes is he's gathering everybody and he's giving a hashpot everybody together. Then the remez is for the chachamim, what he calls here Eved Nemon, and the overt messages for the Avadim Shut. And I suppose you would say that someplace at the end of Chumash Avadim, there's going to be another klau, just like you have the klau before the pratim and the klau after the pratim. You have a similar thing here. This is what it says in Samachvov. You follow? This is Samachvov. You're listening, yeah? In the I am base. He repeats the same issue, but he doesn't talk about Musaf. 
The Samach Vav says, Moshe is giving Musa. So first of all, Eilad Vav Mishal Kol Yisrael, the Musa, everybody. Then there is the riddle, which is for the Eved Namon, and there's the over, which is the Shutta. The Ayimbei says the same thing, but all of a sudden it's talking about Tere. In other words, the Samavov is agreeing with Rashi, and the Ayimbei is agreeing with the Avnezer and the Rambam. Eila Advarav Ashadiba Beisha goes on Tere. And he says like this, the whole idea of Seifet Advarav is to reveal the secret Tere. Eila means Gilu, like the Tziyuni said. Eila, this is a gilu yavahad devarim. The title of the Abish is now being brought down to a lower level. El kol Yisro. Uh, let's see if we can do this quick. 18 now? 18 or 19. I'm trying to find which one would be better. Turn to page 19 for a moment. For a, we're going to go back to 18, it says, Vaidabaravaya, near the end of the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? We'll do some mathematics. You have it? Vaidabaravaya mm-hmm. means, Vaidabaru Lashanam Shachma. That means to bring down. Havaya is Bechinasah Chachma, the level of Chachma. Havaya Bechachma. El Moshe, it's being brought down to Moshe, which is Bechinasah Said Ab, the lowest level of Chachma. Dabarabne Yisrael, speak to the Jewish people. Netzach Vahoid Yisrael, the level of Netzach Vahoid. Netzach Vahoid. The Yisrael, who Bechinasah, the Jewish people are the Midas. Ubnei Yisrael, the sons of Israel, are Netzavayit. Lameit is Malchus. In the whole Chumash, it's from Chachma Vatzilis to Malchus of Vatzilis. In the book of the Volume, you don't have Adab Hashem Meshalayim even once. You have Eila Advarim Ashadibe and Moshe Al-Kol Yisrael. Right? So it's in Malchus? It's the next level. It's taking it into Briya Yetzir the first four svarim of the Torah of Eidaber Avaya Chochma El Moshe Yisrael Daber Daber Al Bnei Yisrael Yisrael is Zobnei Yisrael that's of Hey Lamer Malchus Sefer Devarim is bringing Torah down to the next level seven lines from the bottom of the page On Lam Inyan Mishnah Torah the repetition of the Torah why is God so Torah Bebiyah is bringing the Torah to the next world okay. And Eila means Gilu. Now if you go to the top of page, Aleph Pehe, next page, three lines, four lines on the top of the page, it says, Vaidabar al-Kim is called Advarim Ha'ela. No, 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 it's enough, it's enough, it's enough, I said enough. If we, if we go into the Iron Base, we'd find it on this page, yeah. we'd find yes, it. Yes, of course. Um, Aleph Pehe. It's 1,085. Uh, just, just one more time. The first four books bring it down to where now? To the level? Malchus of Atzilas. Sefer Dvarim begins where they finish. Eila means Giloy. Hadavarim, the same Teda which existed. The Nazis are being brought onto the next world. But wait, but wait, but wait. When you bring someone down to a higher level, to a lower level, you dilute it. <clears throat> Usually. The Maimit is saying that the Remit of this Pasuk is it's Taket true that Sefer Dvarim is Eila, Dvarim, Ashdiba, Meshal, Kol Yisrael. It's bringing it down to a lower level. But the essence of what the Teda is is being preserved. What these two my modern, the Ayin Beis, the Ayin Gimel and Ayin Hei, say is that even though the concept of Mishnah Torah, of Dvarim, is not just to bring down the Torah into Atzilas, but it's to bring Torah into the lower worlds, it remains exactly the same essence of the Torah. Now, for reasons of time restraint, I mean, we're sitting here an hour and a half, we're talking an hour and a half, we're sitting here, who knows how long. 
I'm not going to read the text. I'll share with you something. I'm going to use my own form. I think it'll save time. Okay? In the Gemara, in Masech Gitin, which the boys learned this year, there's an argument. How was the Torah written? Was it written in little pieces and then pasted together? Or was it written in one constant, in one moment? It's called Torah. Megillus, Megillus, Nichtava, Nitna was given in little scrolls. Or Chasuma, it was given sealed. In the Gemara, there's two opinions. The Ramban brings these two opinions at the beginning of his Pirash Chumash. And the difference would be when it was written. Was it written throughout the 40 years or only at the conclusion of the 40 years? Hasidus doesn't pick. Hasidus says they're both right. Taira begins as a point. Just like in the Samach Vav, Klal Yisrael begins as a point and then there's distinctions. Taira begins as a point. Just like in the Maimon, the Samach Vav, you allowed me to embellish. Kol Yisrael, Yidin Madeg of Klal. And then you have different categories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Ayin Beis are saying the same thing but not about Yidin Madeg Taira. Taira begins as an Akuda. A point. When the Gemara says Teira Chasuma Nitna, the Teira was given in one instant, it's a reference to the essence of the Teira, which exists in Adam Kadman, in Machshav Akdumadak. Teira is one essence. Every point of the Teira is the whole essence, the whole essence is in every point, and so forth. Okay. But the essence of Teira, you can't live with. It has to be translated into actual mitzvahs, into actual halachas, into practical instructions and behaviors, yes? Megillus, Megillus. The word Megillah means Gilu, Yazishtet. Revelations, many different revelations. The essence is one, the revelations are many. Okay? So the Tayyip begins in Ak, in Odom Kadman, where it's called Chasuma, it's sealed. It comes down into Hatzilas, comes down from Hatzilas into Bia, and it's being revealed. It's being revealed. It's being revealed. What happens when you reveal? You diminish. You lessen. You go away from the essence. But not in Tayyip. Not in Tayyip. It may be true. The Tate is revealed. The essence is revealed first into Atsilas. And then it's revealed into Biah in the book of Devarim. But the essence of the Tate is preserved even in the revealed form. What's the indicator of this? What's the proof of this? Because they all come together at the end? Because the narrator is unidentified. Shlishi Amadabir. That the personality speaking is unidentified. The Tate is revealed. We don't know from where. Hashem is a principle. Maisha is a principle. Who's telling us the story? Nobody knows. It's a secret. It's chosum. It's mysterious. Says the Maimed, because the communicator of the Torah is the essence of the Torah. That even though we're revealing the Torah, and revelation means you can only say one topic at a time, one mitzvah at a time, one revelation at a time, one part at a time, and you have to supposedly diminish it in order to reveal it, not in Torah. Torah is revealed. The essence is preserved because the koyach of the mystery and the secret is brought into the revealed Torah. Now, the book of Devarim is spoken by Meshach Rabbeinu in first person. Because the book of the Vodim is not only a revelation of Ak and Atzilus, it's a revelation of Atzilus into the lower worlds. This is Torah being brought down to the very lowest levels. But the first Pasuk of Dvarim continues to be spoken in this obscure third person form. These are the words that Moshe said. Who is saying these are the words that Moshe said? The same one who said in the entire four books of Moses, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this idea that the book of Dvarim begins with the Shlisha Medabit, although it's not preserved throughout, 
And this idea that the first four Svarim of the Torah are written is to say that even when Torah is brought down from a higher level to a lower level, the essence quality of Torah is preserved. The Kol Yisrael, the unity, the essence within Torah is preserved. Even Torah is coming down to first into Atzilus and then it's coming down into Biyah. Eila Devorim. Even the way Mesha is bringing down the Torah to the levels of Briyat, Sir it's the same Ein Sof, it's the same essence. And the long version of this will have to be a different time. Where is that? Where is that? I just made it up. No, no. It's both of them, my modern. Both of them. Yeah, you have to learn them. You have to learn them. And this is the Reichkeit that Hasidus makes in the Shlisha Madabi. The Ramban says one reference. It's written in third person. Hasidus makes in this third person, Agan Sashtur.